It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. Hello, everybody. I pray the program has been beneficial to you. In the last episode, I was showing that of the four possible alternatives of God or no God, and evil or no evil, the only remaining option available is the alternative of God and evil. Both theism and deism accept that alternative. I will show that deism fails because it is a self-defeating worldview. Deism holds a view of God somewhat akin to that of the theistic view. The major doctrinal difference is that deists do not believe that God still performs miracles. They agree that God made the world, but now he allows the world to run on its own according to natural laws. He oversees human history. But he does not intervene in human history. God is beyond the universe, but not supernaturally active in it. Deism agrees with theism that God is transcendent over the universe, but unlike theism, deism denies God's present involvement in the world. Since deism denies miracles, they affirm that God has no place for involvement in his creation. However, since God performed the miracle of creation, it follows from the very nature and power of this kind of God that other lesser miracles are possible. Walking on water is little problem for a God who created water in the first place. In short, deism is self-defeating to allow the miracle of creation and at the same time assert that other lesser miracles are impossible. The deistic view clashes with the reliability of the Bible. If the Bible cannot be trusted to teach the doctrine of miracles, then there are no grounds for believing the doctrine of creation either. A theist would say that a God concerned enough to create human beings in the beginning surely would be concerned enough to intervene on their behalf. While deism affirms the miracle of creation, it denies almost the entire history recorded in the Bible which portrays the history of God's active involvement in the world. Deists agree with theism that human actions are the source of much evil in the world. Most deists recognize an evil principle at work within humanity. Some blame evil on the abuse or neglect of using reason to rule one's life. 
Some deists also agree that moral standards are God-given, and God will ultimately hold people accountable on a day of judgment. Deism holds a naturalistic view of the world while insisting that there must be a creator or originator of the universe. Basically, deists might compare God's oversight as that of a clockmaker who made the clock, wound it up, but God remains passively inactive as it runs down without interacting with the universe. Some deists might compare God to that of an absentee landlord. Deism is not taught by any religion nowadays. It is a belief held by individuals in history, like Voltaire, Benjamin Franklin, and Thomas Paine. Some have claimed Thomas Jefferson was a deist, but I have reported in episode 57 that the historian William Federer says that he has discovered information that confirmed that Jefferson was, in fact, a Christian. Many lukewarm or nominal Christians today are, in effect, deists, since they live their lives almost totally devoid of genuine prayer, true worship, reverent fear of God, with moment-by-moment trust in God, with no interest in making progress toward Christian maturity. So of the four possible alternatives about God and evil, no one claims the view of no God and no evil. The atheistic view which denies God and affirms evil, and the pantheistic view which affirms God and denies evil are both false. That only leaves the theistic-deistic view where God and evil both exist. But deism is self-defeating. So this leaves only theism as a viable alternative to explain God and evil. Now I would like to come at morality from a different angle from what I've said before. I begin with this question. Do you believe that good and evil exist? The answer to that question separates Judeo-Christian values from secular values. Let me offer the clearest example of the difference. Murder. Is murder wrong? Is it evil? Most people would answer yes. But then I offer a much harder question. How do you know? I'm sure you think murder is wrong, but how do you know? If I asked how you know the earth is round, you would show me photographs from outer space or offer me some measurable data. But what photographs or measurable data could you provide that prove that murder or rape or theft is wrong? The fact is, you cannot. There are scientific facts, historical facts, and experiential facts. But without God, there are no moral facts. If there is no moral lawgiver, then the idea of morality is completely subjective at best, 
and non-existent at worst. In the secular world, there can only be opinions about morality. It may be personal opinions or society's opinions, but when it comes down to basics, they are only opinions and not facts. In naturalism, the foundation of atheism, there is no God, no creator. If no creator, then everything that exists does so by chance and chemistry. But if human beings are nothing but bags of molecules interacting with each other, where does morality come in? Every atheist I know when we have discussed this subject has acknowledged that if there is no God, then there is no objective morality. Judeo-Christian values are predicated on the existence of a God of morality. In other words, only if there is a God who says murder is wrong, is it actually the case that it is wrong to murder. Otherwise, all morality is opinion. The entire Western civilization is based on this basic understanding. I've often cited the Russian author Fyodor Dostoevsky, who wrote, if there is no immortality of the soul, there can be no virtue, and therefore everything is permitted. That is, if there is no God, there is no immortality of the soul, and there is no prospect of his eternal judgment, then our notions of right and wrong would be ultimately meaningless. Everything would be permitted because there would be no real objective rules to break. I've said this before, but I will say it again. First, I'm not saying that the atheist cannot be a morally good person. There are plenty of kind and moral individuals who do not believe in God or in the Judeo-Christian values. But the existence of these good people has nothing whatsoever to do with the question of whether good and evil really exist if there is no God. What I am saying, though, is that atheists have no grounds on which to call anything morally right or wrong other than just an opinion. Second, there have been many people who do believe in God, but who are not good people at all. Indeed, more than a few have been evil and have committed evil deeds in God's name. The existence of belief in God doesn't ensure that people will do good. I wish it did. The existence of God only ensures that good and evil objectively exist and are not merely opinions. Without God, what we have is moral relativism, meaning that morality is not absolute, but only relative to the individual or to the society. Without God, the words good and evil or just another way of expressing a personal preference, as I like or I don't like. If there is no God, the statement murder is evil 
is the same as saying, I don't like murder. People will say we don't need moral absolutes. They claim that people will not murder because people don't want to be murdered. But that argument is just wishful thinking. Hitler, Stalin, Mao, and Pol Pot didn't want to be murdered. But that didn't stop them from murdering more than a hundred million people in the 20th century. It's no coincidence that the rejection of the Judeo-Christian values in the Western world by Nazism and Communism led to the murder of all those innocent people. It is also no coincidence that the first societies in the world to abolish slavery, an institution that existed in every known society in human history, were Western societies rooted in Judeo-Christian values. And so were the Western societies the first to affirm human rights, gender equality, racial equality, and to proclaim the value of liberty. The Jewish scholar Jacob Neusner observes, religion has written much of the history of the West. Roger Scruton, a British person of great learning in several fields of study, put it this way, throughout its most flourishing periods, Western civilization has produced a culture which happily absorbs and adapts the cultures of several places, other faiths, and other times. Its basic fund of stories, its moral precepts, and its religious imagery come from the Hebrew Bible and the Greek New Testament. Even the notorious atheist Christopher Hitchens agreed that Western culture makes little sense without attending to the contribution of biblical religion. He, he said, You are not educated if you don't know the Bible. You can't read Shakespeare or Milton without it. European historian W.E.H. Lecky called infanticide one of the deepest stains of the ancient civilization. Judaism consistently prohibited infanticide because the practice violated the image of God, the foundation for the Hebrews' origins of the sanctity of human life. The sanctity of human life provided the moral framework for early Christian condemnation of infanticide against the barbarism of Roman culture. For instance, an early Christian handbook called the Didache, written sometime between 85 and 110 AD, commanded, you shall not murder a child by abortion nor kill them when born. Christianity's affirmation the sanctity of human life could not countenance abortion. But they did not merely condemn abortion and infanticide. Christian communities were at the forefront of, of providing alternatives, including adopting children and building orphanages. I end this episode by reminding you to exercise daily, walk 
with God. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.